E3 2019. And our favorite announcements. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode 116. 116. After a long week of E3 announcements, E3 streams that were really fun, uh, I actually enjoyed doing them. There's something about the E3 time of year that, even though I, you know there's still the conversation going on as to whether E3 is relevant or not, you know, because of Sony's talk about why they were doing what they were doing in terms of skipping it, it's still fun. You know, I mean, it is what it is. There's been a lot of complaints this E3 about a lot of things, but there's been a lot of love for other things. So we'll get into that here in a little bit. But to start things off, if you are not familiar with who we are, we are Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. We cover PlayStation gaming news and other game news from other consoles and everything as it pertains to PlayStation. And if you ever watch us on our E3 streams and stuff, we stream under the Nartech gaming banner whenever we're doing anything that's not PlayStation related. But it still ties in because we love all games and we like to look and figure out what's going on across the board. Excited to see Nintendo and Xbox and I was really excited this year to see what was going to happen with Sony missing. So Yeah, and I think it, uh, it still ended up being a really good show. Yeah, so with that said, if you want to watch us, you can do so. If you like watching the people that you're listening to, you can do that on YouTube. Uh, go over to Nartech, uh, and that is our channel. You can subscribe to us. Hit the bell notification to let you know when this goes live and any of our other stuff we have going on, like our new off-topic podcast called Dickish at Best. Uh, if you like a little more adult humor, we keep this show clean and to the point. Uh, and because partially because of the nature of the show. It's more about giving our opinions and clearly stating them and kind of giving news. Uh, and it's more topical, whereas the other one is just kind of random topics moving along and friends hanging out. Uh, so we little we let a little bit more of our normal personality come through. Uh, I think this is just our respectful side of our personality coming through. Yeah. That's what I'd call that. Um, but if you don't want to watch us, that is fine. You can go to podcast services and avoid seeing our ugly mugs, and that's iTunes, Google Play Music. It doesn't matter for the most part if there's a podcast service out there we're on there uh, and if not we always say let us know and we will get that fixed and lastly if you have any opinions about the things we're talking about on youtube of course you can go down in the comment section let us know your thoughts down there we love hearing from you if you want to give your thoughts to us on social media because you listen to us on podcast services and there's no way to comment you can do that too. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you want to join our day-to-day, moment-to-moment Discord, you can. That link is down in the description below. But if you want to find us on Twitter or Facebook, that Twitter is at Triangle SQRD. And on Facebook, it's a group called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Ask to be entered, and we will gladly pull you in. But... With that said, the last thing we have is Patreon. If you'd like to support the show in any form or fashion with as little as a dollar a month, you can do so by going over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash nartech, and that nets you episodes of Dickish at Best early, reader mail episodes early, other things that we do inadvertently that are kind of bonus episodes early. This show, I think we're landing on the fact that we tend to record it so close to release that it's just hard to get it out early. Um, But, you know, I could start doing it to where we, we get it you know, eight hours out to you early or something like that. We can figure it out. Uh, so if you really want it, we tend to say, just let us know and we will do their best to, uh, to match into that. But with that said, get this show on the road and saw We still have to show, we have to start to show the, the way that we are supposed to the normal way. And, uh, what's been playing, what's been up to. I've been playing still a lot of destiny too. I think me and you have been playing a good fair share amount of that. And your water. Th- that's your water. That's why I pushed it over there. Thank you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a fair share amount of destiny too, but I also did buy final fantasy seven on this switch and I am playing a good amount of that. I just got to the sewers after um, Don Corneo. 
I'll just say that much. There's no spoilers there for those that haven't played the game yet. Um, not too far in the game, about maybe two hours, I think, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. But what I like about that one is that it has the uh, classical uh, Final Fantasy um, cheats that you could do, like where you can go times three speed. Oh yeah, because it's the uh, it's the remaster, yeah, uh, or, or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, the but it's still it's it's different in the sense of you know just because you can play Final Fantasy VII on the Vita, you're doing so through a PS1 emulation, so you don't have those options. But when you play the newer version that they released on PC, PS4, Switch, and all that, then you can do that. So, yeah. yeah, and and that's what I you could also do the thing like where your um, limit gauge just constantly is full and it heals you every time too. Like so, every turn you get like full health. How does that affect? Uh, and I know you're playing on Switch, but do you know on PlayStation how that affects trophies? I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that takes trophies out. Like, it will completely remove trophies, is what I would guess, just because due to the nature of it. Um, well, there's a lot of games that handle, when you when you activate cheat codes, they say, hey, you can do these, no problem. But because of that, we're going to deactivate uh, trophies or achievements or whatever. Uh, we saw that happen with Skyrim, you know? Yeah. Uh, which actually makes sense, though, in light of, at the time it didn't, but when Sony started activating that thing where you can earn uh, earn PlayStation rewards points, or technically Sony reward points, with your trophies... They have to be very careful about letting people just kind of do what they want to with trophy systems. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that makes sense, too, because, you know, you don't want to be earning technical cash money with that. Did you ever play uh, Little Big Planet to a notable degree to where you were even remotely, like, playing it long enough to get trophies? Not trophies, no. The reason I say that is that one of those interesting tie-ins that I'm surprised, they wouldn't go back and really retroactively change it, but uh, the Little Big Planet games all have people who actually look at a trophy and figure out what it is that the trophy's asking of you. And since trophies are still activated for you can get them in community-made levels, uh, then people would literally design a level that the entire intent of the level was just to get you a trophy. So there was a trophy that was like uh, jump a thousand feet or something like that. Yeah, so and people would be like, we're just going to make a super crazy high, like a, a super crazy powerful jump pad. You're going to load in this level. Uh, you'll immediately fall to the jump pad, jump a thousand feet or whatever it was, and then you'll have the trophy and then you'll land on the platform. Yeah, so that, that, the level. you could actually like almost manipulate the trophies that way. Yeah. I don't know if you can ever get the full on platinum that way actually i know you couldn't because of the way that the those games are always so tied up in having platinums or or trophies in general that are tied into the uh the play create share aspect where they want you to uh make a level upload the level have a certain number of people download your level and then they want you to play a certain number of user-made levels and rate a, a certain number of user-made levels it was part of what made the mod nation uh racers because that was a play create share cart racer genre yeah it's part of what made that really annoying and the trying to get the platinum for the vita one um but that's cool anything else you played no that's been pretty much it honestly like uh, uh that I'll, and destiny are normal stuff so yeah i probably won't play much destiny today at all but i'll probably um throughout today probably later on tonight like when we're watching a movie or something i'll probably play a little bit more final fantasy 7 yeah so. i feel you Okay, yeah, yeah, I played Destiny 2 with you most of the week, and that's why I was trying to figure out what you played in the interim. Uh, very similar to you, I guess, was buying Final Fantasy 7 on Switch kind of a pull from the, the whole hype around Final Fantasy Final Fantasy in general this, this week? Well, I, yeah, I made the comment, too, on our E3 streams um, that I was kind of excited to go back and play it as an adult, even though um, I haven't really had much time to play it as an adult. Or, you know, the last time I fully beat the game, I think I was 16 or 17, and it's almost the same for Crisis Core. I think I was 21 or 22 whenever Crisis Core came out. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things that I didn't really get a big chance with it. So I kind of want to go back through and fully understand some plot lines and stuff I'm sure I didn't catch back then. And it's a game that is also fares fairly well from playing again. 
just because you're going to obviously miss stuff. You're obviously going to learn materials are different uh, depending on what you want to use, and you can find new grinding methods and stuff. Well, and did they Even do any I'll still of probably stuff, do back the Chocobo grind, but... Did they do any of the stuff like they did with the Ten Remaster where they actually changed up the sphere grid and stuff like that? So have they actually changed any of the back-end systems a little bit? We saw the same thing happen technically in the 12 remaster uh, where they went through and I, the, the Zodiac, you know, that was something that J Japan got with like essentially a final mix version of the game back in the day. But the first time that we ever got it, as far as I am aware of, was during the 12 remaster. Well, what I'm curious uh, about And that is... was, again, something that changed the way the back end systems for the game uh, worked on a leveling and, and combat base, right? Yeah. And uh, to me, the game still feels the same. I don't really notice much being different in the game at all. In terms of that, like I think Seven that this does. is, a, yeah, I think yeah. this is a true, uh, just the 1080p re remaster. Yeah. Other than like the little cheats that they always put in, though, or maybe even a port, just literally taking the original thing and saying, "What if we rendered it at 1080p?" <laughs> but I think it's the Steam version of it. Yeah, I mean that's what the PS4 version was based off of as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, I, in the same vein as you, uh, ended up buying Final Fantasy VI on Vita, the PS1 version. I was debating how one. I wanted to do it because they remade Final Fantasy VI for the uh, for phones, uh, but changed the sprites, and a lot of people complained about that. Uh, and complained that even though other mobile versions that they had redone for uh, Final Fantasy games in the past had actually handled touch controls well, that for some reason the way they did it in 6 just didn't work out. Um, so, you know, I was like, well, what's the best way for me to do it? And the biggest downside that a lot of people claim when you're thinking about the uh, the version of it for... You could speed that up so much, Saul. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just listening. I'm, I'm diddling. Uh one of the biggest reasons that people talk about not playing the PS1 versions of games that were also released on other systems is specifically the way that it was on disc, so it has to load, whereas all of the, like, there's a Game Boy version of uh, 6. I actually wasn't aware of. There was a Game Boy Advance version Advanced of it. Version, yeah. Um, and it had some other problems, too, that, but uh, it had a newer um, translation as well. So there was a bunch of other stuff that happened. Uh, but, you know, most people go back and say, like, you know, the SNES or the Game Boy are probably the better ones because you don't have to deal with any kind of loading. Uh, right. And I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal after not playing it so long. And I never played it on anything but PlayStation. But even loading into the menus is slow, you know? Yeah. And, and that's with the Vita giving you the option to turn disc loading speed onto fast. So it's like if it was – if you had it on normal – It'd be even worse, you know? Right. And I do think that it's one of those things, too, that really um, it works well for those kind of games, too, right? Like, I'm glad Vita has that option. And honestly, whenever I beat 7, I might go back through. It's really, really hard for me, though, to, like, do two Final Fantasies in a row. It's almost, I don't think I've ever done that. Uh, me either. Or been able to do that. Yeah, definitely mainline, old-style Final Fantasies. You're going to say, oh, once you get through with 7, go back to play 6? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played 6 in so long, even though I love it. Though. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and play it and see ex exactly what you're doing 7, right? What have I missed? What what are, what either did I never notice in playing as a kid, or what have I not done since the last time I played it? Which I think the last time I played 6, I was 12? That sounds about right. Um, I was, and, I think I was 13 or 14, yeah. Yeah, so when you're thinking about it in that sense, it was like, well, what did I miss? What did I not understand? And otherwise, it's just like, you know, when you're playing those types of games, it's like when I played Kingdom Hearts 1 for the first time and I was real young and I didn't pick up on a lot of what was going on in the game. And then when I revisited it later in life, I was like, man, this game is way different than the way I remember it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I replayed, Because I know what's going on now. Yeah, know? and I was that was when I beat 6 last time. I've replayed 3 more than half of 6 a couple of times just downloading emulators on my phone 
And I actually think that there is an Android version of six that you can buy for like fifteen dollars. That's the new sprites that not a that's lot what of I was people talking about. Are fans yeah, the, of. So the yeah. mobile one that everybody c- kind of complained about. Uh, and there was something I thought you were beating around the, the bush about emulation. <laughs> oh no no no! This was one that specifically, like you said, had the crazy uh, the, the crazy sprite change that yeah, people which, didn't like. I don't know if I'm a fan of. I would just wish. I really just wish they would have made the colors pop, and then they just spruced up the sprites that are in the original game. But that's nah, unfortunately that's not what they did. Um, yeah, but I mean, how when you're moving that over to a phone, how does that really work? Because there's a lot of changes that you're going to make in the aspect ratios and stuff like that already. Uh, people, I assume, when they're doing a phone game, they don't want to play on a small phone screen, even though phone screens are bigger than ever, and actually have it to where, uh, on top of that, you're dealing with a 4-3 aspect ratio playing on a most modern phones these days, or 18-9 at least. It's like, what kind of what's that going to look like? Yeah, and... Honestly, like there emulations ding, and they can do it by stretching. Yeah. And then what's something I do like about certain emulators, like the Game Boy Advance emulators that you can find on phones. And you can stretch on Vita, but I decided not to because it really makes the sprites look weird. Like they're fat and oddly, oddly yeah, just, distorted. Just stretched and yeah. yeah. Um, I tend to like some of those uh, emulations do a really really good job about um, the I forget what it's called, but it's it's scan not scan lines. What is it called? It it makes it pop. Like it almost takes the blurry filter off of the game. Oh, I know what you're talking about, and I can't. It, you're you're right. It's something scan, right? Uh, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Emulators get pretty interesting because you know they can actually take a lot of original games uh, and re actually run through and say, hey, we're going to render the game at 1080p. And you see people doing that with like playing Killzone Liberation and Crisis Core uh, on computer with 1080p. Uh, rendering, which right. is, you know, I mean, it's not that it's replacing anything. It's just taking the game that's there and natively rendering it higher. Yeah. And, you know, it just really depends on the system, too. I don't think I've ever. No, I did buy uh, War of the Lions on Vita. Oh, so yeah. War of the Lions was great. Uh, the PSP version. Yes. Yes. It's great. I love that game. Uh, all right. Anyway, that's about all I've played as well. And I didn't even get to play that much of six uh, because I've been playing it. It's my new Vita game that I use to do the one hour before I go to bed. Uh, I go in there, turn scrubs on in the background. I've watched it a million times. And then I just start playing Final Fantasy six. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I did forget about six, though, before we move on, is that the game does not do the Pokemon or any other kind of RPG thing where the text will move only when you hit a button. Instead, that game's just like, oh, you're not paying attention? We don't care. You didn't hit A? We don't care. You didn't hit X? We don't care. It just keeps playing. So it's like I looked up to laugh at a, screen, a scene of Scrubs at the beginning of the game uh, when you're actually playing through and the people start talking. I was like, okay, great. I'll stop real quick. I'll laugh at this. It'll be fine. I can go back to this in just a second. And I look down, and it's like four dialogue lines later. I was like, oops. And you can't pause it or anything. So that was kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, but with that said, this episode is going to be a lot different. One of the things that we're doing, it's much like the last episode where coming into E3, we didn't want to bombard with news or anything. Uh, and that was a different kind of uh, setup and structure for the show. This one's going to be different in a, a structure and setup as well. Uh, if you were able to join us for our E3 streams, you probably know at least a little bit of how we feel. But one of the things I also like to do with this week uh, is let all the things happen like they do early in the week. And now that we're on to Sunday, Father's Day, as I'm wearing my nice greatest father in the world, Cookie Monster um, (laughs) sticker that my daughter gave me, um, it's nice to have time to sit on these things and see how you actually feel about them a little bit removed from the immediate announcement. Uh, And I I like that. So what we're going to do with this episode uh, is recap E3 for the things that, you know, 
really caught our attention that had a lot of stuff going on behind them and that we thought showed really well uh things that we hoped to see and didn't see even things that i really expected to see not even from a uh from a new announcement but from existing announcements that i was surprised that we didn't get to see again uh we'll talk about all that but there will be no news section this is inadvertently going to be news when you have a week full of e3 news that's just bombarding and all these other sites and stuff are just coming down it really gets to the point where e3 Oh, and it's part of why I said E3 is still relevant, right? It completely just takes over the news cycle, and you're not going to miss E3. I mean, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Google or anything, you're going to get E3 news. You just are. If you even have the slightest interest in gaming and follow any gaming channel or or have Googled something about gaming, Google's going to say, hey, did you know that this is coming out? And that's just kind of how things work. You know what uh, would be interesting that I just now thought of? Because we kind of went into this just as a casual kind of topic without really thinking about it. And we're actually a- answering uh, our good buddy El Chabib's question uh, for Reader Mail inadvertently by doing this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so El Chabib, you get our answers here, not Reader Mail. But um, what if we went through the big ones and we picked one thing that we wanted or that we saw that we liked the most? So we for, went through each conference. Yeah, the ones specifically we streamed because they. If you watch our streams at the end, we always did. Uh, it was a little bit longer last year. It's more like a thirty-minute recap last year of what we really enjoyed. This year is more like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, but I actually like this because now that you can see if we've changed our opinions on anything after we stewed on it for a bit. But... And after we've seen more, as a lot of games do throughout the week, where they show you once in the conference, but then later behind the week or throughout the week, they'll get a game behind that closed doors gameplay demo that eventually gets released to yeah. people or, this, or whatever. This is, like I said, the way that I guess we'll do this. This is inadvertently not PlayStation. So, like, obviously Sony was not at E3 this uh, this go around, so you're going to hear us mention games that are most likely going to be multi-platform games, but mm-hmm. I figure we could do Bethesda, Microsoft, which is the two we stream, plus Nintendo, and then Square, and then we can kind of expound on what we saw and what we liked, and then um, why we liked it the best out of all of them. Sure. To yeah, kind of that make sounds it, like a good way to do it. Yeah, because there's just so much in each one of them that I really, really enjoyed, uh, but there's a lot, and there's a lot of those that I did not really enjoy. And I think this is the most uh, cut to the slice uh, way to get uh, get to get through this information too, because there's so much. And I know not everybody is going to be interested in hearing me talk about. Oh, the um, I just forgot the name of it. I was literally just thinking of my head. It's the uh, <laughs> indie hand drawn game from uh, uh, from Thunder Lotus. Thunder, Thunder Lotus, yeah, yeah. That um, game looks freaking dope. Spirit Fair. Spirit Fair. Yeah, it yeah. does, and it looks really odd. And it's different. You know, and actually, what's more interesting is it's, it's completely different from them in general. So I guess what we'll do, like I said, no news, no no, no rolling through. We're not going to have a community's take this time around. Actually, I'm sorry, we did have a community's take. I did ask it. Yeah, I do want to make sure that we keep that part in the show. I got ahead of myself. Yeah, well, so we're going to quickly on, on Discord real quick. We're going to quickly throw throw through them real quick, and then we'll continue as we go through each conference. We'll discuss further on our thoughts our thoughts on them. And this um, was a, a different question in a way. It was. Um, best showcase and game so yeah so the question at hand was with e3 wrapped up what game shown has you most excited who had the best showcase to you so far uh which i almost, guess we'll throw at our showcases too almost universally square final fantasy 7 to be final exact. fantasy 7 and square but I, and i think some of that goes to show uh what a, what a lot of the the crowd that we draw and a lot of the people that we talk to in the community uh, that are very vocal with us it does seem like one of the common standpoints across a lot of us is that we all have a long history of liking Final Fantasy and that yeah. Final Fantasy, if it wasn't seven, it was eight. You know, there was people who were like, oh, I was just, I was happy to see eight coming back around finally. Um, so, you know, we got uh, Sean says Square Conference didn't give a game. That's fine. Uh, Rob Henry, longtime listener as well. He says uh, Final Fantasy seven. He actually shared a gif of it. 
but then he also said, yeah. Then he also said, best showcase was Square. Loved everything. Outriders looked good. Not a great way to show it, though, which I completely agree with. But all of the Final Fantasy games looked great. Uh, can't wait for the next nine months. Shout out to Ghostwire. I feel bad that I don't buy Bethesda games. Looked great. Uh, and you know what? Maybe Ghostwire will be the game that gets you to change that. You never know. Kiki said everything Square showed and Ghostwire Tokyo. So similar sentiment of Square with a little bit of Bethesda thrown in there. And then uh, El Tabib, and this is on the, the, the Discord. I also have them across other things. But my laptop is dead. I'll pull up Twitter. Uh, yeah, El Tabib says, by far Square Enix had the best one given Final Fantasy VII Remake. Gameplay got me more excited for the game. Otherwise, E3 had so few gameplay demos, unfortunately, which shows how much Sony was missed this E3 given their showcases that included a hefty amount of demos in the past. Um and, you know, we're going to get into that as well as we continue to talk about what happened across that. Uh, or we can get into it now. What do you want to do? So you want to go ahead and talk about that? Because that's been a point of contention that a lot of people have brought up. I that think... E3 was very much, what do you even want to say? Uh, it was very much pre-rendered heavy. You know, very few cutscenes. I like it. I like it better than the whole stage like debacle. I, that doesn't mean, though, that gameplay like of course like people say xbox showed no gameplay that's just flat lying There's no they didn't show no but they showed gameplay of like to be fair when you're looking at it like that they showed uh gameplay of forza okay we saw a, like, well, we yeah. saw a little bit gameplay almost every indie game they showed was gameplay um mm-hmm. uh, yeah which was all like really cool looking games too actually um especially like what we we're talking about spirit fair sure but um but when you look at some of their newer games announced i don't blame people for thinking that you know, even it was the, very similar to even what the, even Sony the does games, every year, right? Even the indie games were shown in that particular situation where, like, you're right, it was gameplay, but it was real quick snippets going through and through for the most part. Yeah. It was kind of like what Sony used to do as well with their with, with their indie section where it's like, hey, here's our indies. We're just going to do a quick sizzle reel of indies. You'll see, an, you'll see gameplay and you'll see a name in the bottom corner of what it is that you're seeing gameplay of in the moment, but we'll quickly cut between them, kind of give you an idea of what's coming. Uh, and you know what? A lot of the times indie games, you can kind of see whether or not you want them based off of a small snippet or even if you're interested, based off of a small snippet of gameplay. Uh, now, I do think that I, I get what you mean for, to some extent. I don't think Sony's been terrible about, and and I don't even necessarily well, know fair, that I agree with that Microsoft was terrible. Yeah, this I don't time think Microsoft around. was terrible. I uh, just think that it's... But I don't think they've been terrible about showing only pre-rendered cutscenes to do stuff. If anything, Sony sometimes have even shown gameplay off to the extent that it actually hurt the pacing of the show, but they still showed gameplay. So in a way it was like, well, fair enough. At least I have a better idea of what I'm looking at because one of the things I think we can both agree on. And one of the things that was mentioned here, uh, was that outriders that game from Bethesda, you left not knowing what in the hell it was See, because they showed it for so long, yeah. but everything they showed just continued to be However, the only game pre-rendered. That, I, that I felt that way, or the, I didn't feel like that with a game in Microsoft, except for the, um, uh, the new 4v4 hand-to-hand combat game. But I can technically visualize what that would be. Ninja Theories? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would have liked to see gameplay on that. Now, not a lot. Show right. me... Show me... And, and well, it's, it's weird, right? Because technically, it's hard to say whether or not some of the interstitials they were doing were technically like gameplay that they rendered stuff over as well to make a cool trailer. Right. It's hard to say because, you know, you saw like little, oh, transforming with the little wheel on his back going around the corner. But was that just a pre-rendered cutscene? Was that from the game do, and then you rendered something on top of it? Do you think what we saw of Halo was, was not in-game? I, I think it was in-engine. I don't think it was actually gameplay of well, what they are planning. What's funny was that somebody pointed but out. But it's hard to say. Somebody called them out on Twitter saying, uh, hi, this is all fake. This is literally uh, you pre-rendering a cutscene for us to watch. And they're like, this is literally the game on a PC. Like, this is the game. So that, it, it's been confirmed by the Xbox Twitter that that was the game. 
and, and I'm with it's, you. It's right? rough. It's rough because it could be the game play, the game engine, and, and not, it, it uh, gets into marketing. Spiel. It did look like the very end of it, at least, was when the shield came up. That looked like what the game may actually rep- yeah, like it, be. Again, that's why I say I think in engine, right? Right. I think it's representative of close enough to what they want the game to look like. But the reason I say that is, do you remember when Microsoft and EA uh, and Bioware both, everybody, or I guess Every, all three of them, came together and said the anthem that we saw when they first revealed was it on a PC was running on an Xbox One X. Well, well, then it came out that it was on a PC. Yeah, but regardless, when you're looking at that, it came out. And beforehand, it was running on an Xbox One X hardware. Right. And it just got to be that point where you're like, but what does that mean? Because obviously the game came out and it did not look or run like that on any console. Right. So it's like, you know, what what does that mean to an extent? It is hard to want to say, oh, well, that's what that is. The problem with showing it that way. And I think one of the biggest things you can do, and technically it's easy to cheat, right? And, I've, and I'm, you, you could question whether or not they've cheated it in the past. But it is nice to see a game playing on the screen and then looking down and seeing somebody with a controller on their, in their hand on the stage playing it. Because it gives you, it, it kind of gives you that reassurance of like, the chances that this isn't real are a lot lower than yeah, otherwise. It makes you, it Anytime makes you, you worry see about just trust. quick gameplay, you go through that thing in your head of like, one of the only games that I think of that was shown very recently that you're like, oh, that's 100% real gameplay because it actually looked a little rough in some spots was when they came through and even though they had already showed Days Gone with a pre-rendered trailer, they came back at the end of E3 2016 16, yeah. and said, hey, here's, here's gameplay of Days Gone yeah. uh, with the Horde. And it was obvious from looking at it. It's like, oh, that, that, that's gameplay. You know, this right. isn't, it's, it's not so pretty because, you know, wh- one of the biggest that mistakes that happens when people show gameplay too often or too early is sometimes the, the gameplay that they show ends up looking better than the final product, which is undoubtedly going to happen. I think that, do you remember the God of War gameplay that they showed for in, in the same E3 uh, that showed the beginning section where it's Kratos? Boy, yeah. And then they go through and they do the beginning part of the game that's slightly different than the actual final release. I remember that getting, getting uh, like a lot of people saying that was all pre-rendered. Even like the gameplay part mm-hmm. was fake. Was but like, I think it's clear to say that it really wasn't because the final product looks similar but i think what happened is in trying to figure out the no cut camera for the majority of the game and where to cut they back had on certain to things downgrade or not i say downgrade in the I, nicest well, way i think because... to an extent you, yeah you have to right they had to reprioritize not even downgrade reprioritize right it's like because in a way are you re-downgrading from are, are, are you downgrading uh graphically if you're also upgrading in the area of like well no cut camera with no loading screens oh, okay yeah. or with no visible loading screen well, you know uh when you look at that one of the only things that was done is like uh, the light was a little bit more robust in that demo and uh the hair effects were more robust and yeah. you could see atreus's hair actually kind of whipping in the wind and the final version of the game his hair was more or less static but i think you have to look at well, they had to look at what was most important and reprioritize what was going to be the most important thing to make the game run cohesively in the way they wanted to show it, which one of the biggest points was going to be the no-cut camera. So when you look at that and you run through that, it's like, okay, not everything gets downgraded, but it's real easy to hold some level of skepticism when you're watching something like that Halo thing, which looks so good, but it's also technically next-gen and you're running through this thing of like, was that as good as next gen is going to look? Were they just showing it on a PC? Was it a really high end PC? Was it an average PC? Yeah, now that they is it a cons- PC that's geared closely to what the one X now would that they be? confirmed that it was on a PC, this makes all questions endless. It's well, kind of an exciting reminder though. This will be available on launch on PC. Yeah, which means it, yeah. I don't have to yeah. buy an Xbox. But back to the topic at hand. Um, I actually, yeah, I actually did enjoy, mainly due to the fact that we're not getting, like, we don't really know what's coming, right? Like, there's five big games, maybe, that we know will be here soon, and that's Ghost of Tsushima, that's Cyberpunk, it's, um, uh, why did I just forget the name of that game? 
I mean, really, we're talking about Final Fantasy VII is one of them. So, well, Final Fantasy VII was one of them in my head. What's the Bethesda game now that we know of? Ghostwire. Um, and well, we, we don't even really know how soon Ghostwire is coming. Well, we know it's coming, but and we like, do know it's coming. Sure, and that's one of the things that's almost doing a reset on how we kept seeing Days Gone, God of War, Spider Man, Detroit, all these other games that were. You know, we've seen a million times. It's a, it's a refresh in a way that now, hopefully, that's not going to be what we see in next million times. I'm gonna we're gonna end this, and this is what we're gonna go off of. We're gonna end, I want to end this entire episode with once we get all of our positions out. I want to end on whether we think it was smart of Sony to leave this play, this E3 behind, and then that's gonna be the community's take question for next episode. I'm gonna keep that in mind because I okay. think that that what you're just talking about partially in my mind is like, like, well, that's because Sony wasn't there. Yeah, well, um, which was that for the better or for the worse, and that and and for the better for the worse. Are you saying that's why Sony wasn't there is because we don't know. Like, we, we've seen the stuff that they are showing off, that they would show off? To an extent, okay. yeah. But there's, well, there's more than that. And I wonder, you know, my thing is, what does everyone think of the impact of well, let's go Sony through, not being there? Let's go through a couple more of these uh, community takes before we jump into yeah, the main Yeah, go ahead and run through them real quick. I'm going to pull two from Facebook, pull two from Twitter, and we'll, sure. we'll get moving. Uh, good buddy Matt Green. This is a throwaway one in a way. But he says, Fallout 76 Battle Royale is what he was looking forward to the most. I don't believe it. I'm pretty sure all that was was essentially... <laughs> was essentially just his uh, answer to you in regard that reaction to your video. reaction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh Hoop, he did say the easy answer would be Final Fantasy VII. So I will say that that is my most excited announcement. Uh, was Final Fantasy VIII getting remastered? There were a good handful of indie titles that caught my eye as well. No doubt, though, Square was the best presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to go off of that, Stefan Swanlin, a good buddy of ours, he says, if Breath of the Wild 2 has real dungeons, then Nintendo won, which. It's a hard comment to make there, but I will say that I I do kind of miss the old dungeon style of, of Zelda. If this one takes the, every element that Breath of the Wild has and incorporates real temples, I'll, will I will like it way more. Falling. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'll be great. I agree because I think going back to why I didn't like Breath of the Wild, one of my biggest things is it didn't have, and you could say this for better or worse, right? Maybe it was like, well, it needed to evolve this way, but I really missed the core chunk of what I think Zelda's gameplay has always been based around, which is fun temples. And it's what made going back and playing like that uh, that version of you know what I always talk about of the the uh, link to the past uh, kind of knockoff that they did where it was obviously inspired by it for the the um, God what is that game called Adventure Time the Nameless Kingdom yeah I love that game so much because it was like oh this is exactly what the old Zelda games and even Link, link Between to the past Worlds had, really was yeah. where it's like it's just fun dungeons that you right. can roll through and it's like there's a they have mechanics that bounce around these dungeons and you, and you continue to use them throughout the dungeon and then they kind of go away but then the end of the game will typically try and bring those mechanics back up in some form or fashion right and I love Ooh. that so I'm with him that's a good one uh, we're going to get two from uh, Facebook the general consensus across Facebook was all that Square Enix pretty much curb stomped the rest but I'm going to give a, a, a different opinion Jeff Schrock says Nintendo for sure favorite game No More Heroes 3 um so and I do think Nintendo did really well. So I'm glad to see someone giving them props. That was uh, a good surprise. One of the other ones was Mr. Vincent Hull. He said definitely Cyberpunk 2077 as for what his favorite game was. He said I have been hyped for the game since I found out about it. Vince, I'm right with you. The game has had me cautiously optimistic. I use that word a lot. I know, but it was one of those things where seeing a developer who really found their footing after two Witcher games with The Witcher 3 and made ostensibly one of the best RPGs of this generation. And a, a note, even if you don't care for The Witcher 3, it's a notable jump up in quality and and 
scope and everything for a, a studio like that. And it's really interesting and a little bit daunting to want to think in your mind of like, well, The Witcher 3 was the first time they did it. Have In one game, did they reach Rockstar's level of typical hype and then carry that through in just one game when it took Rockstar years of going through games to get to that point? Uh, and it's just, you get to that point, it's like, is Cyberpunk going to be the game that everyone hypes up and actually does end up being relatively as good as the hype demands like you saw with like Red Dead and stuff like that? Or does, is it going to fall short? But every time they showed more and more stuff about the game, it just continues to sell me more and more on the idea. So much so that I actually pre-ordered the collector's edition. And originally I was a little bit worried that whether I wanted to or not. Uh, but after what they showed, I didn't want to repeat my Witcher 3 mistake and not pre-order the collector's edition because I'm unsure. And then regret post playing it that I didn't get the collectors. So, yeah. all right, we're going to move on and we're going to start with Bethesda since that is the first conference that we covered. And it was the first conference. I mean, sorry, Microsoft. Yeah. I was in Microsoft was the first. Yeah. So we'll do it in the, uh, the order in which we watched them. Microsoft, Bethesda, Nintendo or square Nintendo. Yep. So it's a very offshoot of our name, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I'm curious about what yours was. Okay, so for Microsoft, I, I stand with a lot of the things where I think that I'm going to go with my lowest point of it uh, and my highest point of it. My lowest point of Microsoft uh, from actual games that they were showing was Gears 5. And the reason I say that is because... The slog of the show that it became. It, 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 it really ruined the pacing. But I would have been okay with the fact that they ruined the pacing if they would have done one thing. They have a guy come out on stage. Gears 4, for me... I picked it up because I was like, you know what? Gears is a fun series. I picked it up on uh, PC. And I was like, all right, we're going to see how this works out. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, play it. Started playing. Got about halfway through it. And halfway through it, I already had this feeling from the beginning. But I was like, okay, give it time. It'll change. It'll change. It'll do something new that warrants them making a new Gears. And then about halfway through, I got to the point where I was like, this is not doing anything new. Right. And I'm not going to wait and see if it does it at the end of the game because it's already lost my attention. I'm done. I can't keep playing. So I gave up on it. But my worry going into Gears 5 is that they had an opportunity with Gears 4 to do something and they didn't. And I don't see them doing it again with Gears 5. Well, they started to quell my fear of that by coming out and saying, hey, here we are. Gears 4 was about us earning your trust, which to me I took as, okay, you're a new developer. So you took the safe bet of coming and making a game that pretty much felt like every other Gears of War game that they had made before, just so you could get people to trust that you knew what the series was about. And now they're saying, but the second game is about us pushing boundaries and breaking expectations. And I was like, great, show me right now, since this is your second year in a row of being at E3, show me what it is that you're doing that's so new and so groundbreaking. Instead of doing that, they show me a Billie Eilish face warp thing for way too long. Then they go, okay, this is what we're doing. And then they show just a quick throw together of cutscene trailer thing, which showed nothing of value. Then and then they playing. showed multiplayer. Yeah. And I was like, which I guess technically is the draw in, but sure. But, and and, I, and they did show that they're doing something new. I want to give them, a, I want to give them a quarter credit. They showed that the multiplayer they're doing is going to be a slightly different take on it. All right, fine. But I think if you're going to talk about a game as a whole, one of the biggest parts of that game is not only going to be multiplayer, it's going to be about the story. That part of the reason that game also rose to prominence was because people enjoyed the stories of those games. But people want fun campaigns, and I definitely want a fun campaign. So for me, that's the lowest low. I think they really lost the pacing there. Uh, and if you're and much like we were, we were talking about Sony having problems showing the same game over and over again, I think that was the same problem with Microsoft there. If if it was just that, they shouldn't have spent that long. If it was a quick, hey, reminder that Gears 5 is coming and here's a release date, 
fine. Yeah. I would have been like, keep going. We've got it. You did it. Give me the information in a minute or less, and we're good. But instead, they sprawled a lot into this big minute thing, a uh, big multiple minutes thing. If I had to say, the part that Microsoft actually left me most uh, impressed with throughout it, you know, I, re I really appreciated the way that they handled doing their indie take, and it's actually something that Sony used to do. And I really am glad to see Microsoft kind of taking up that, hey, we're going to really champion indies and roll through this. Uh, it's, I really miss seeing Sony do that and highlight a lot of indies. That's kind of been gone since Adam Boys left, sadly. Um, and uh, since they've stopped bringing, uh, um, oh, Lord, how am I forgetting his name? Help me. <laughs> Jim Ryan? Uh, no, um, the big dude who always wears the hockey jerseys. How am I Kevin forgetting? Kevin Smith? It looks like Kevin Smith. No, we follow him on Twitter. How am I losing his name? Giorgio? I, I, whatever. Or, I, G, or Geo. Geo, thank Geo. You. I don't know why I said Giorgio. Yeah, Geo. Geo. Yeah, they stopped bringing Geo out. So it kind of seems like the moment they stopped focusing on Vita, uh, which they partially had to talk about indies in, in relation to Vita and stuff, they stopped pulling that off. So I think, oddly enough, the thing that kind of got me most hyped for it was all these weird little indie offshoots and even though technically minecraft is an indie anymore and i know it's owned by um, by microsoft i really appreciate that it still leans into its indie stylings so i'm gonna say uh it was a mixture between spirit fair the game that he was talking about that i actually correctly kind of guessed that it was thunder lotus, thunder lotus. before they actually even said it was thunder lotus yeah um because the, the art style is just so unique and you don't see it very often i really love the hand-drawn style so i'm gonna say it's a tie between that and i actually really love the idea behind minecraft dungeons i think that microsoft has done the best thing they could with 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 minecraft they buy it they understand that it doesn't need to be this big crazy thing understand why people like it continue to expound on it like they have make things like the minecraft servers that you can do that are live they've handled the ip so well and now they're going to take it and go okay you know what we've done story mode in the past but what if we took this idea and put it into a different genre but still kept everything that people like about the game and add things that the that some people have said that the normal game should have. So my thing for a long time is that I thought Minecraft should have been a little more like Terraria, where there's more armor and more bosses. And instead, what they're doing with Minecraft Dungeon is, okay, we're going to add more armor to this and more dungeons and more bosses as we move through these dungeons. And I think it's cute, and I think it's smart that they're letting it come out on all systems, which is exactly what they've been saying. It's, it's leveraging a really powerful IP in a way that's, Smart in the sense of Microsoft's a little behind on console sales anyway. Why limit a massive IP that can sell hundreds of millions to a $40 million, 40-ish million, maybe 50 by now, million console? Why do that? Don't. Right. You know, why buy something with for as much money as they did if you're not going to let it exist on as many platforms as they can? So while I normally agree with letting exclusives rest on your platform to be a big point of why you want to buy it i think minecraft it goes above all that and you just need to let it go and do its own thing um so those are my highs i, I really like cyberpunk though uh so good show on that as well yeah i would say the low is the exact same for you gears of war turned that into a slog like another game that we're going to mention here in a second in another conference yep um i think I know which one. minecraft was definitely one of the coolest things that i saw there the more i looked at it and thought about it and then of course cyberpunk with the keanu on stage was always just wholesome 
And that was a great moment, but I don't want to lead. A, I don't want to lead the whole thing. On well, a and the fact that we also got almost or pretty much gameplay in that trailer. Sure. So, and I was really excited to finally see that, which looked really, really cool. Especially the bike racing, which I'm not convinced that's gameplay because that looks really good. Yeah. Did you see the? You did watch the hour of gameplay they or 50 minutes of gameplay they released For last year, right? IGN, I think, or whoever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I watched 15 minutes of it. I don't want to watch much more. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I I did uh 10 minutes of the beginning of it. And then I just skip through five minutes at a time to kind of just see quick glimpses and go, okay, that's cool. Yeah. And went so, from there. So. But, um, yeah, so that's it for Microsoft for us. You know, we good conference this year compared to last year, just as good. Um, and not really a bad conference in any way except the pacing slowed down for that. Uh, let's see. Next, I guess, would be Bethesda, which I think the low there is just about everything that's not Doom for me. And I do mean everything. I really wasn't – I mean, Ghostwire technically is a technicality there. I don't want to say everything, but I'll let you go through. So, so by saying that, I assume that you're meaning that you're low. The mobile games was do, stupid. The Fallout 76 the, was stupid. They, they didn't really like. There's no way um, Battle Royale mode is going to work in that game. That game seems to slog around with just three or four people in a world together, let alone 52 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that for one second, Todd Howard. Um, until I actually see it playing, I won't believe it. So, but, but what you mean by that is that your the the game your high point is Doom. Yeah, my high point is Doom. Okay, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. So do you think that there's anything, you've already mentioned Ghostwire, anything outside of Doom and Ghostwire that you think was worth time at all? No. I mean, Arcane, what they're working on looked cool, but once again, have no idea what that is. So, Which goes back to what I was talking about with El Tabib of, I'm excited, but I'm excited. So my high point outside of Doom, because I do think Doom showed a lot of of promise. I think they showed, hey, take Doom 2016, blow it up in scale. at change the way we're going to do multiplayer. And I actually really like the idea of a fighting game in a shooter. And they even, I love that they had the setup being the same as like Mortal Kombat, where the top part of the screen is your health and then the other two people's health. And then yeah. the little notches of squares of who won that round. And then whoever wins the overall match is there. I think it's a cool idea. And I like to see people do something new like that. So I agree. Uh, and I think that the show really lost pacing pretty badly. And I think some of that was down to fans being a little too rambunctious, which, you know, there's been rumors that Bethesda paid them. Who knows? But when you go, I, I don't even want to really there's also, feed into there's that. There's also been rumors that they work for Bethesda or Zenimax. Who knows? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, but even then, it was obvious that the people being a little almost too hyped after every single sentence was really throwing people in Bethesda off. So it made some parts of the conference that weren't going to be that long longer. I think that the amount of times that the guy who was presenting for Elder Scrolls Online had to start and then stop and then restart what he was saying because of people going crazy. Yeah, and the fact that they did the thing that it, it almost made did, it which... it almost added 50% of the time right. to that section that well, we didn't really need. Cutscene, cue back to guy talking, cutscene, cue back to guy talking, gameplay, which was, cue back to guy talking. Oh, which, which is the problem we saw in other yeah, conferences as well. Yeah, I'll definitely bring up there. But, yeah. um, uh, but my other high point outside of Doom, because I do think it was really good, and I want to go outside of that and give another game a shout-out, is Arcane's game that they're doing, which is called Deathloop. Uh, I think that that game looks really cool. I like the idea of going through it. And also, we, you know what we forgot to mention? I forgot it was Microsoft's, uh, that 12 Minutes game. It looks cool, but like... I, I, I like the premise yeah. more than anything. Weird idea. It's kind of like taking the, hey, what if we made a weird indie movie and then just turn it into a video game where you repeat something 12 minutes. Uh, but I think that Deathloop is a good idea. I really love the Dishonored games. And because of the team, they have the Arcane studio that worked on Dishonored actually working on this series. Despite the fact that Prey didn't quite hit it for me, Prey was an Arcane uh, Austin game. So different studio. I am willing to just completely go, hey, you know what? There has not been a game made by Arcane's French studio 
that I have not liked yet uh, since Dishonored 1 hit. So I am fully in the wheelhouse of, hey, what they showed was interesting in premise and idea. I like the idea behind it. But I do agree with Saul. The biggest problem that it had is a problem that L2B has mentioned and a lot of others have, that at some point it would have been nice to even see a little 30-second splice of gameplay just to give me an idea of what we're really doing. They have, you know, they kept doing this thing where they bring people out to talk about it and then throw a cuss word in and to make it cool where, you know, uh, oh, yeah, we did F in this. We are, you know, like the thing for Battle Royale is we, uh, F yeah, we added a Battle Royale mode. It's like, one okay, part, One we person, get it. like I saw a meme, and I think it was, it's very similar to what last year was, this picture of Todd Howard, and there was a picture of a quiet audience, and this picture of Todd Howard that said the F word, and the audience was standing up screaming, like, happy. <laughs> just like, yeah, it's just like, come on, guys. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like they're trying to score points for being edgy, which is fine if you're if you're really showing good stuff. But as much as I like the Dishonored team, and, and I'm glad they got up there, it's like I would rather you not keep cutting back to you and talking more about stuff. I just want to see what the game is to some extent. And I think that Sony really spoiled a lot of people with 2016's pacing and even 2017's pacing of, we're going to come out, we're going to talk once, and then we're going to let games go ahead and roll through the rest of the show. We might walk out one more time and say, oh yeah, one more thing, and then end the show on a banger. That's fine. You know, that's great pacing. But I think every conference besides one, and we will get there, um, actually had a little bit of that problem of cutting to people too often and going, yeah. okay, you're ruining pacing by giving us information that's really not needed to show, to make a good show. You want a good show to not only show great games, you want it to stick with you and how well it was paced and how it made you feel. You want to have that, con you want to have the, you know, start with hype, kind of go around and have us on a little roller coaster and then end with hype. And it's like, but instead what you were doing instead of a roller coaster is more like a train stop. It was like, right. you're on a train, you're starting, you're going real fast, and then we're completely stopping at this stop and waiting too long. And then going again and waiting too long. Um, so shout out to Ghostwire, and I think some of the other things they showed were interesting. Uh, but Outriders and stuff like that, they spent too long talking about and not enough time showing. So, there we are. Yeah. So Outriders is actually... Was Outriders Square? I don't want to wrongly put that on Bethesda. Let me check. He well, Rob Henry said it was Bethesda, right? I do want to double check. It was Square Enix. Outriders for real Square Enix. Yeah. So I'm I'm remembering what Rob Henry said wrong, I think. Um so my bad. That's actually a problem of Square Enix's, but we'll get to that eventually. Well, next because they're next. <laughs> yeah, they're they're next. So, so uh you you go ahead and go first. I think we all know what our top one is for Square. It's definitely Final Fantasy 7, which I like I like what Brett was saying earlier is that Final Fantasy 8 is a good contender for that one as well because it was came out of left field, complete surprise to most people because they thought that they were getting completely not listened to at all but then they show like bam this is something and the way the textures and stuff look like they've actually been polished looks like it actually took a fair amount, of, fair amount of time for how big that game is yes. so yes. Um, that was seeing Final Fantasy 7 though seeing the Tifa reveal that was the release date uh, fully out which technically leaked I think the night before or actually was revealed it the was, night it before it was confirmed the night yeah. before it kind of leaked from the concert but then Sony also put out a video that said hey it, it was a, it was the New trailer, and then it said three three twenty. Yeah. So and that was the night before. I think that they just did the thing of there's a good chance that since we're showing it, I think it was planned to an extent, right? It was hey, there's a good chance that since Probably. we're showing it at the concert, someone's going to leak it. Uh, so what we'll do is if we start noticing that people are leaking it and the date gets out there, we'll just put it through official channels the night before, just so it's not like we didn't let the leak get the best of us. It's like oh no, we you know we we confirmed the date, you know yeah. yeah. But I think that was that your hot too because I think we're going to be very similar on this one too. 
I actually think we're we're gonna line up perfectly on this one. Yeah, and a lot of That's it comes I, I, I into, might as well go ahead and let you go first, so then because we can share both of them. Sure. Okay. So what I'll say, uh, and I think you'll agree with this. I'm with you on Final Fantasy VIII, uh, and the main reason I think it's a big contender for most people is that you said it caught people for off guard and kind of by surprise, but. It's funny that it did because every year, what do you hear? Even this year, Final Fantasy VIII might be at this year's E3. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's been such an ongoing, legitimate joke at this point. That so actually... much so that there's even a really toxic, and I, again, I hate using that word, but there is a group in the internet who every time Square posts anything, they go, why don't we have Final Fantasy VIII remaster? It's like, guys, yeah. chill. Well, now you're going to get why we have but a remake. But now we have it, and uh, I do agree with Saul. It looks so clean and so clear that when they keep showing these... Uh, I can actually tell Squall looks like a human being. Dude, when they keep showing these comparisons, it actually almost looks like they've went through and completely had to recreate some of these assets, and that's why they look even better than they well, do. Well, they had to do that anyways, right? Because wasn't the excuse some always of them that the was, game code was some gone? Some of them was missing, yeah. yeah. And that happened with Kingdom Hearts 1 remaster, the HD. Uh, they had to recreate some of the assets for that game. Uh, and it's interesting because what you're trying to do is recreate assets. So they end up looking better because of technology, but you're trying to recreate the assets to where they look true to what was originally in the game. So it's like you're trying to create with an old design language, but with modern technology that automatically is going to make it look a little bit better. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so uh, I agree there, though. But I think 7 is definitely the high. And I, and even though I typically talk about pacing and why you got to be very careful with pacing in those shows, I think Square was genius in starting the show off with Final Fantasy 7 and letting the the thing, the one game that they needed to spend the most time on in terms of now that the show is done, it should have been that the two games they spent the most time on were Final Fantasy uh, and Avengers. And we'll get to Avengers in a second. But with Final Fantasy coming out of the gate being the biggest thing that people were really excited for, it was smart to start with that. And I think that the reason that it needed to be a deep dive and why it ended up winning so many people over is because so many people were still completely unsure as to how this game was going to play. All you kept hearing people say is, I don't want the game anymore because it's not going to be turn-based at all. And instead, Square comes in and goes, hold up, hold up. If you want to play the game entirely action-based, you can. And you can play it that way. But for people who want the extra layer of you know tactic behind it you can slow the game down you can do a turn-based mixture where you're seeing the best of both worlds and that gives people who really liked final fantasy 15's gameplay style the ability to play it that way it and people who really liked seven style to play it almost true to that but Even a little different seven static without turn-based I mean, it's, it's almost active time battle yeah. it's 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 the same as six uh, well, and it's turn-based. It technically does mean, like, if I go, then they go. Then if they go, like, I could walk away. But you can't walk away from seven. You have to pause it. Yes. You will get messed up. Yes. Especially if you put it on times three, dude. you got to keep matching A. Like, you got to know where to go. Yeah. Because they're moving at times three speed, too. Yeah. So I, I think that that was really important. And I think that the reason that it was great for them to do that is I've almost heard universal praise coming away from it of people, both new fans who wanted it to be an action game and old fans alike. A lot of people that I saw having the, the talk around the game being that they just didn't want to play it because it wasn't going to be close enough for them. I think it's crazy. And they, they, one of the other things that they finally did is they answered the question of what what's the first game going to be? How are they going to end it? What are they going to name it? All that stuff. And we end up finding out that the game will be huge. The, the first part of the game that's going to be on this. So this one release is going to be on two Blu-ray disc. Uh, so it's going to be there. They've confirmed that it will be playable on PS five with improvements on PS five, which is smart because the other games are supposed to kind of carry over certain things. So if you're going to do that, 
you need to be able to kind of have your save potentially carry over if that's something they're really worried about. We'll see. Uh, and then lastly, I think the biggest thing that they also did was confirmed that the game takes place entirely in Midgar. And that gives us a, big, a bigger idea of like, if you're saying this game is going to be 30 to 40 hours and take place entirely in Midgar, what kind of scope are we seeing? Uh, and I think it, it, right, it raises a bunch of questions, but it answers enough to put everybody in a kind of happy state and gives us a good release date. Now the low yeah. saw. I'm gonna let you take over the low because I think you know the low is Avengers. And low, like I did not care about Avengers. I was hoping that this would change my mind. As a matter of fact, this actually pushed me far, far away from it because they did the conference in the most annoying, sluggish, terrible way possible, and that was the breakup that they did. And it was somebody comes out on stage and talks about this part of the game, and then they show that part of the game. They don't overlap that. They should overlap that. There was no real commentary, and it was really, really slow. They spent a little bit too much time on it. People are already demanding that Thor is going to get uh, remade. Redesigned, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't a fan of, like, the, the – I'm not a fan of the game. Um, the mechanics of the game sound kind of cool, but at the same time, it's like we have these in other games right now that work better, uh, arguably, uh, for what we've seen. And – I do think that, like, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, like, it looks fun, and the first impression that, they, that I went into was bad, and it drug it down for me quite a lot. And I think... Not a, uh, to, to, give the vo- to give them props on one thing, though, the fact that they actually brought the voice actors out was kind of cool. I agree with that. But I disagree with the way they chose to do it. I think that because it it, go, it fed right back into the gameplay loop of what or the the feedback loop of what you were talking about of person comes out talks about the game they show a small bit of the game all right and it's not even actually the game it's just all pre-rendered cut it's, it's cutscenes you know so it's like hey this is the game Avengers bam pre-rendered cutscenes from the game set up for the story all right now somebody else is gonna come out and talk about the game and then we're gonna show more of that same area uh, of cutscenes then we're gonna have somebody cut over here and talk to the voice actors and we're gonna come back and say hey we're gonna show you something more yeah and then they show you a uh, a slightly expanded scene that they had already started doing in a different part of the thing. It's like, why are you cutting all this up? Why didn't you just show this all at once? They could have showed it all at once and then had the commentary over the gameplay. And And I think fine. It would have been half the the time. And I think that honestly, just think they were padding out time at that point because they needed something else there to show that wasn't Final Fantasy seven. They needed to be talked about for more than one game that year. I think it was very odd that would you agree that the worst part? And I actually think this is what I said that night and it still stuck with me because it just, it was so bad. I think the worst part of that Avengers showing was actually a point that they show the game off and show all six characters and then come out after we've already seen all six characters and then have symbols behind this guy who's talking and then really slowly, sluggishly go through announcing each of the characters that's going to be playable in the game like that wasn't already notable. And I really mean that in the sense of if you want to confirm and say, we just want to make sure that people realize that these were going to be the beginning playable characters, that's fine. But you can do that way quicker than having to sit here and spend literally three minutes just confirming the characters that we just saw in the gameplay trailer. Yeah. You could have honestly confirmed the characters with the, again, that's what I mean. Trying to pull this stuff together, they could have confirmed which characters were going to be playable and everything just off of the the voice actors. They could have just showed that off. And then instead of going to the guy who sits there and talks about every character, they could just cut immediately to the voice actors and go, Hey, I'm Nolan North. I'm playing Tony Stark in this game. I, you know, when people, when players play as me, I want them to have this feeling and whatnot. And, the, and this is going to be my arc kind of with my attitude and story and then just go through each voice actor and then come back, maybe show that extended scene that sets up the world a little bit more and then show me a little 30-second minute clip of gameplay to give me a closer idea as to what it is, end. And it would have cut down the time dramatically. It would have made me remember it far more fondly and it would have completely changed the pacing that I think otherwise ruined the con- the conference. 
they chose to try and do this deep dive thing like Square like Square did with Seven, but without any of the things that they had to bring to the table with Seven. Seven had release date, gameplay, multiple character announcements in full depth, showing me a full boss battle so I can understand the way that the game not only plays from the small bit that they show, but hey, we're also going to show that in a full-on new part that you hadn't seen, and we're going to show it working and introduce more stuff in that, like cover mechanics. And from there, it just continued downhill. Yeah. It just, so the even whole though thing I thought was Squares downhill. was great, they ruined the ending. Yeah, and then that, of course, you know, the way it works is that you look back on it, you're like, Final Fantasy was certainly cool, but I'm never going to watch the back half of that E3 ever again. Exactly. And I don't even remember what was at the back half of E3, uh, uh, that E3 other than Avengers. Because-, because Avengers ruined it so much of, like, all you can really think about, it, what the problem that ends up hitting with it is that you have Square start so strong with Seven, and you go, you know what I remember about Seven's beginning? That Seven reveal. And then it kind of, they show other Square's cool beginning. stuff. They did, right? And then they go, okay. Now, well, what did Square do at the end? Avengers. And they, they, it, Seven was so good that it almost overtook the first half, and then Avengers is, was so bad that it overtook the latter well, half. Well, that's why I think that, that they chose to put Avengers in the back and send out the first. Because they could have ended the show with a bang with Seven, but nobody would remember Avengers. That's true. Um, so, last conference up, Nintendo. This one's going to be interesting because I know you don't currently have a Switch, but I know no. you're at least looking forward to stuff that you saw, and then yep. there's probably some stuff you didn't like. Why don't you go first? My first thing that I think we both agree with, of all of those shows... What was your, what was your top? Hold on. Nintendo had the best pacing. Oh, of course. Directs for Nintendo yeah. work so well. There's not To me, there's never a bad direct. There's just directs I'm not interested in because of the content in them. Yeah. All directs work and flow amazingly. Um, so that is... Nintendo's... Uh, to me, Nintendo had the best show. Yeah. Because so, of that. Top game, though, to give it that, even though I've already seen a ton of it, Shout out goes to Astral Chain. Top game actually does go to uh, the the Zelda remake uh, for Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that looks fantastic. I like the actually going back towards the top down Zelda style, which I've been saying I missed. It and shows I that was, they're still interested in. It I too. was worried that moving to the Switch in the way they put so much on Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild did so well that they were going to start doing this thing of. Maybe people don't want 2D Zeldas anymore or top-down Zeldas anymore. And, right. And I was, but you would hope that because Link Between Worlds was so fondly received that they would understand that people still want that. And this is kind of a way for them to kind of double-check that and go, hey, people really do still have an interest in it. Bring back a game that people love and do it in a very different way. I love the art style. I think it looks really good. It looks In an so interesting good. way. It looks so unique to the game. It is. It's very original for that game. Like It's it is. hard to find an art style that you would reminisce that's, that's kind of similar, right? Exactly. Um, and I also, as a tie-in to going through giving me interesting use of an IP, I do want to give a shout-out to a game that was shown last year, but Cadence of Hyrule. Great use of taking an IP and going, what can we do with it that's really out there and interesting and then go to a game that I don't think that there's any game that exists quite like Crypt of the Necrodancer and give it to them and say, hey, yeah, what, what would you do with the Zelda IP? It's essentially like a new take on turn-based games in a way. With the, It's also a rhythm. So yeah. um, I would agree Link's Awakening, fantastic. It became like a four-way tie with me because Fire Emblem looks so good. Yeah. Astral Chain looks so good. Animal Crossing, we finally got to see what that was. And of course, Link's Awakening. And, well, I guess five-way if you count uh, Breath of the Wild sequel. I have to go with Astral Chain. Astral Chain looks so good. It looks so original. It looks like it has really cool character design, story, mechanics, combat. Everything about that game to me is appealing. I really hope it's not what Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was because I was super excited for that game, and that game let me down really bad. Exactly. But I will say from the gameplay that we saw, as long as it performs well in handheld mode because it performed well with what they showed us, um, I'm going to be super happy. 
So Astral Chain gets the win for me, even though it had it literally cut through some of my favorite series of all time in gaming. So <laughs> congratulations, well, Astral Chain. And some of that, I think, still comes to the fact that everything they showed was enough to really win me over. But do you agree that to an extent it's even more kind of weighing on you because we know it's platinum. We know that the guy who's directing the game was very heavily involved with Nier Automata. And it's just kind of like all these things start to compound where it's like, this sounds like the perfect game. Yeah, and it looks so cool. Like it just it, it is a refreshing. It's it's that refreshing JRPG. Um, but Ninten- and you've been needing one. That's right. you've been wanting one. What is so that about Nintendo? Do you? I can't because honestly, not just being. I guess Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion was the slowest point. Yeah, uh, and I only that was one of the things I really didn't care about that comes to mind. They took they spent a long time on it. That was if I wanted to say the yeah. worst of their pacing was that, but it still was better, leaves better than everybody else because right. they still didn't spend that much time. Uh-uh. They didn't go like four or five minutes, maybe. Even when they showed it, they didn't show somebody cut back to a person saying and it was just and then go back. It was just like all gameplay that was narrated, and it was like okay, well at least and it was all gameplay too. While I don't agree with that, and I don't, it doesn't really interest me, or I, not that I don't agree with it. That while the game doesn't interest me. Uh, it's fine because I think that they did it probably the best way they could. And they did show it, and the game's coming soon. So it is important to kind of show yeah, those August, things. right? Yeah. Or is that one of the September August, games? August or September. Okay. Uh, yeah. But um, so, so I agree there. That was probably the lowest point. And if I had to say, I, I actually am going to say that Breath of the Wild 2 is my lowest point because they didn't show anything that for me, and that's why I think it's really, really personal. For me, well, it was a production trailer, too. Don't forget that. It was exactly. a production teaser. Exactly. It, was, it was showing you that this game is, in fact, being and made. And that's why I don't even really quite want to count it in, because it's not a full reveal, but it kind of does lead into the same thing that people talked about with Final Fantasy VII of, why show it now if there's a good chance that we may not actually see the game for another two years? Yeah, that's not a good question. I couldn't predict when this game would come out. Yeah. It looks like they're going to be re- reusing the world from Breath of the Wild, so at least some of the assets will be the same, mm-hmm. which kind of worried me, because there wasn't temples. It was the... Um, but you could put things. temples on that, right? And how how much later is this? Yeah, it could be. Or are there temples that we just didn't go to in the or game actually that could were hidden? Start off in there and then take you somewhere completely else. Who knows? So, we could get a new little sliver of map that has some temples. It'd be weird. It's really hard to say what they could do. Um, but they're always like, who who knew they would throw Hyrule literally underwater? And that's kind of what Wind Waker was. So exactly, it's and hard then to you, predict on what they'll do. I give them a shout out to. I still think that they did a really good job of that scene, and just partially because of how much it made me think of uh, Full Metal Alchemist. As soon as I said, "Talk about when Ganon's head just snapped back," and you see it like, and it's all upside down, and everything, dude. It's almost, a, it's almost a shot for shot of the Full Metal Alchemist opening, where you see Ed and Al looking at their mom, yeah. and she's like twisted and contorted, and you see just her eyes glowing red, that and like a... mom, and then the, the, and then it shows the mouth and her head's upside down, and it like gapes open, dude. I yeah. was like, they're really tying in. I almost hope that the idea is, and it seems like from an interview they gave. Post, the idea is a darker game, very similar to what we got with Majora's well, Mask after Ocarina of Time. A darker yeah, game. And that's and I like what that. I really hope for. So I think that's it there for that. We did agree that Nintendo was the best. Nintendo had the best pacing. Nintendo showed off games that excited us the most. Um, to answer the question, oh, I'll have to keep this on brief because I'm a little... Yeah, I know you're about to, you, you gotta leave, I know. Should Sony have been there? No. Well, they've shown off what they've shown off too much already. Mm-hmm. And I want them... The surprises that I got from Nintendo, the oh. surprise of Zelda was really cool. The surprise for some of the stuff at Square, the surprise for some of the stuff at Bethesda, even though I didn't really interest about it, it was surprises. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see from Sony, but I don't want them to focus on those surprises too early. That was the other, the latter half of the question was, was it smart for Sony to be there uh, or to not be there? And it sounds like you, you agree, yes, it was smart for them it to was, not be there. Yeah. 
and the second part of it, and that's going to be the community's trade question. Do you agree that it was smart for Sony to not be there? Me and Saul seem to be on the side of I do think that it was smart. I think they realized that they wouldn't have had anything to show uh, that would be enough and that the state of play could cover it enough. Whether or not you think they've done a great job with those yet, it still is enough to give they you have, information. They have the award-winning formulation for the good format from the Direct, so that Nintendo do, they just have had content that has been lacking. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the pacing for the state of play has all been fine. I never, uh, I never had interest to watch them, but like, yeah. I do, like, I do understand that they are essentially what directs are. They're yes. pre-road footage or for pre-made even footage. further. They don't even show a human at all. It is literally that, just gameplay. That, that kind of sucks, but I like that a little bit. I like almost the the charm of somebody introducing things because sure. you get that you get that attitude and some of the some of the jokes, the yeah. comedy jokes. Uh, so, community state question is going to be: Do you think it was smart for Sony to be there or not? And then secondarily. On top of that, do you think there was anybody else that had a conference there that should have followed Sony's suit, and why? I really am curious about this one. I want this one to be a good community's take. I will repost it on Wednesday to give everybody ample time to give their reasoning to why and to settle a little bit more on what they're doing. Uh, But I definitely want to hear this because I personally right now don't agree that anybody else should have flat out skipped it. But I do think that there's an argument to be made that games could have skipped it. There are games that I shown. think that Bethesda, I almost think that this was, I actually will go as far as say this was their weakest year yet. Absolutely. And I think that there's a real argument to be made that Bethesda maybe didn't need to be there. Nope. Yeah. I can, I, honestly, I would say Bethesda probably shouldn't have been there. If I mean, we, if we had the pendant on one, is it like doom con or whatever it's called in like a month anyway? Quake con. Yeah. No, I'll spe- I'll st- I thought there was always one specifically for Doom, too. Oh, Qu- Qu- Doom just gets shown at QuakeCon, okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Let us know. But Saul's got to get out of here. It's Father's Day anyway. I'm going to spend some time with my family. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on all this stuff. We want to hear your most exciting games. If you haven't already, given them to us. Like we said, you can find us on social media, down in the YouTube comments. If you're just now finding us, we'd love to hear from you and love to start communicating with you and join you into the community. But with that said, this has been Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Sanarud, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Thomas McKinnis, Brandon Edwards, and Sean One Neo. Thank you. If you'd like to support our show or anything that we do, consider going to our Patreon and giving as little as a dollar per month. 